it's Betsy with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Senior Corporal Detective Kristen Green. Kristen has been with the Dallas Police Department for eight years. She is in their Child Abuse Division and is also involved with the Sissy Officer Foundation, where they work to help first responders. Thanks so much for joining me today, Kristen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So for those folks who don't know you quite as well as I do, tell us about yourself, your law enforcement career, and how you came to be where you are now. Uh, well, I grew up in Virginia, um, Fairfax County, Virginia. I have a twin sister named Jillian, who's actually a dispatcher for Fairfax County. She's way smarter than I am. <laughs> um, and so I went to college and I, I went to college in Virginia. I graduated and I decided I wanted to move back to Texas. So I joined the Dallas Police Department, uh, moved down here and did nine months, well, nine wonderful months of the academy. <laughs> um, before going to patrol, I did four and a half years in Southeast God's country, which is the best place to be, uh, which was so much fun. There's definitely some rivalry between the various There, there really is. And, you know, we don't really consider it a rivalry because we consider Southeast to be kind of just the best anyways. But everybody gets a little backed up about it when we talk about it. And so there will be I feel be like some, the guys in Northeast don't feel the they same. They don't feel the same. But I always say that Northeast gets a little card of all of their, like, pros that they have to memorize when they join Northeast. So every time I run into a Northeast officer, they're talking about, how great Northeast is. And I'm like, it's Southeast all the way. I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> so, so on that note, four and a half years in patrol at Southeast. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I promoted to senior corporal and I was, wasn't there much longer before I moved on. I went to legal for a year. Um, and I learned so much at legal just about kind of the case filing process and our systems that we use. Uh, and then after a year there, I moved to child abuse. I've been there about a year and a half. Um, it's the greatest job. So I love it so much. Well, and I imagine some time at least spending some time in the legal area definitely helps you putting together those child abuse cases. Yes. So spending time at legal, when you go to, when you come out of patrol, you don't really know anything about some of our systems that we use. So you know how to write a report, but you don't necessarily know how to read the report or look at case notes or any of that system in our filing system. Uh, and then you don't necessarily know how to, how we you transfer that to the DA's office or you know what goes into that. So at legal, I was able to learn all of that. It really kind of helped me learn faster my job because there's so much that goes into child abuse when you're when you transfer a unit or any unit that you go to any detective unit there's so much that you have to learn like so quickly and it was really helpful to kind of already know that stuff so tell me about the child abuse unit and tell me about uh the, the work that goes on there i mean obviously child abuse that that's pretty self-explanatory but we know that there's a lot more that goes into it yeah so we actually dpd is actually divided into child abuse child exploitation and internet crimes against children uh, so i work in child abuse unit we're stationed at the dallas children's advocacy center which is a great center uh, we work physical and sexual child abuse by family and caregivers so um, we'll do teachers uh, daycare workers, cousins, aunts, uncles, boyfriends, um, like parents, boyfriends, parents, anything like that. Uh, so any physical and sexual abuse we're going to get, we are able to interview them. We're able to investigate the case and we kind of work in conjunction. We investigate in conjunction with CPS. We have forensic interviewers and whatnot so that we can kind of do one investigation or kind of do the investigation. We're not constantly bringing kids in and multiple times to talk to them, which is really great. 
Um, I love working at the center. I love working in my unit. I work with the greatest unit. I just love my job. I remember talking to my friends, uh, some friends a while back and they were talking one day and they're not at their jobs anymore, but they were talking about how much they didn't like their job. And I was sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I just love my job. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I, 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 love, I totally agree with you. I, I love my job. I think I've got the best job. Yes. Well, uh, you have the second best job after me. You know, we'll agree to disagree. We both have excellent <laughs> jobs uh, that, that love us. I, I feel like I would not be good at your job because I just, I, and I know I, I know so many folks who, who look at what you're doing and just like, I, I don't know how you can do it, but I'm so glad you can. It's so funny. We, I actually hear that all the time. And I actually hear that from other officers all the time. So it's not just um, civilians or anything like that. I'll have other officers running to me and be like, I don't know how you do it. Or patrol officers who will be on one particular call come up. They're like, I can do this all the time. Um, and I didn't realize how kind of unique or strange we were until I took a class recently with a bunch of other cops and I was talking in the middle of the class and all of a sudden I look up and everyone's looking at us like, what are you guys even talking about right now? And I, that was when I realized that even for other cops, we are typically kind of out there. Well, I mean, you, you are, and you're really, you're helping a lot of children, a lot of families and tell, talk to me about kind of how, how you all help them. <clears throat> so we mostly do the investigation. We'll bring them in. Um, we try to kind of walk them through what they can expect. Um, do any interviews that we need to do talk you know we don't specifically talk to the kids we have forensic interviewers who are all really great um, they're the ones that talk to the kids it's so that uh they're trained in how to interview kids in like a non-biased fact-finding way as opposed to asking any type of leading questions or anything like that so you know we'll schedule for the kids to come in we can talk to them that way if it's an adult because sometimes we'll have people make outcries as adults for offenses that happen when they were kids i'll go ahead and interview them we'll interview any witnesses and then we're just really able to hopefully walk them through the process and help them understand what's going to happen um but at the end of the day we also have to try and maintain some neutrality between for what's going on because we're ultimately just trying to figure out what happened to the best of our abilities. Well, and I mean, there, there are a lot of different things that happen. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, if, if a parent decides to take away dessert for a week or punish them or ground them for a week and, you know, kids are like, well, I'm going to call the police. I'm calling CPS. That, that, that doesn't happen. Those aren't getting prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do get that, especially with the physical abuse. Um, a lot of what we do is sexual abuse, but for the physical abuses, we do run into stuff like that where we'll get reports on, you know, the kids will be like, this is what happened. And then when we talk to the caregiver or whatever, whoever was the suspect or whoever the witnesses are, and we find out what happened with them, there's a lot of, you know, disparity. There's sometimes there's some disparity and you just kind of have to figure out what happened and whether it's actually an offense or whether this was a discipline issue that the child doesn't like or whether, you know, maybe it was a discipline issue, but it was a little excessive, but it doesn't wind up to the level of an offense. Well, and you also said that, that you really deal with family and with caregivers and people often think uh, that bad things are going to happen to their child from a stranger and, and they do happen, but but the majority really aren't, aren't that way. It's not your kid was walking home from the park and got snatched or someone in the Target bathroom. It, it's not that case. Yeah, no. So we do have a unit child exploitation that does um, strain, like strangers um, and non-family members, but I think that people do think it's going to be strange. It's always going to be strangers. And in the most part, and I don't want to make anyone paranoid after this, but 
for the most part, we do. I mean, I think we get more cases, and I think that a lot of times it is somebody in the family, is somebody that you know, and those are always really devastating cases uh, because it tears, it winds up tearing apart the family because people wind up having to choose sides. Do they believe the complainant? Do they believe the suspect? Um, it can, a lot of times the suspect can be the sole breadwinner of the family. So then you wind up in this horrible situation where the sole breadwinner of the family all of a sudden can't be with the family or is in jail. And now they have to figure out how they're going to eat. And then a lot of times the kids wind up seeing what's happening in terms of that, in terms of what's happening in their family. And they kind of feel responsible. Like I did this, even though they had nothing to do with it. And so you do really see how devastating these cases can be for families um, in terms of that. That that is absolutely tragic. And I mean, it's one thing for a child to have something horrible perpetrated against them, but then for them to have to see this again. But you were mentioning with Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, the kids aren't having to, to do multiple interviews with you and with a therapist and, and with all these other folks. Tell us, give me a little more about that. So the goal is to prevent them from having to talk about what happened to them multiple times and multiple times. Um, so in for our investigations, we'll call them in We'll bring them in for a forensic interviewer and we'll have the one interview with the forensic interviewer for both our investigation and CPS's investigation and anything else we need. And that way we're not having to have different people go out and constantly talk to them and ask them the same questions over and over again. Because um, they every time they do that, they have to relive what's going on or what happened to them. And that can be really devastating and having to keep reliving what's going on. Um, can hold them back in terms of being able to move past, like move forward and start healing from whatever happened. So we try not to make them do that. Obviously the investigative process can be long and it can be really tiring or difficult for families. And then if you go to court, you can see, you're still talking about, it can be years later. So it's, it's a hard process for families. And the goal is to just kind of make it as easy as possible. That, that is really remarkable work that you're doing. So what do you wish that civilians know about the work that you do? Um, I don't know. I guess people kind of shy away from even thinking about the work that we do. So, you know, we'll talk to people and it's really people don't want to hear about it. It's really hard to talk about. Um, but I do wish people kind of knew we really we care about every single one of our cases. We care about every single one of our families and all of the complainants and, you know, our goal is just to do the best that we can. And sometimes those cases take long, a long time to complete. Um, and so I see how devastating it is for these families because they need a resolution and they want an answer and they want to be able to, you know, figure out what they're going to do next, especially if someone has to move, if someone needs to leave out of the house, if they need to tell someone what actually happened. Um, so, you know, be patient. We love, I mean, we want to, we want to get to your case. We want to make sure that we do the best we can, but sometimes it just takes a little longer than what we would like it to. Uh, and we also, we just have so many. And then for during Corona, I know that family violence I had heard had spiked. Um, a lot of our reporters are teachers and nurses and doctors. So during Corona, our cases, we didn't have as many. So now that everybody's back in school, our caseload has gone up a lot and when you have more cases, you're just, you're working more cases. So we do the best we can. We try to get it done as quickly as possible. And sometimes it just takes, it takes longer. Well, and we know with DPD, I mean, we've seen it in the news, you, you all are short, you know, 
hundreds, if not a thousand officers or more. Um, so how many cases are you having to work right now? How many cases am I having to work <laughs> yes. right now? I can only imagine. Um, I don't know what my workflow looks like. I'm sure that my, my sergeant knows what my, <laughs> my work, my workflow looks like. Um, it really just depends. Uh, and I go through like kind of these hill phases where I'll have a bunch and I'll have a little bit that I need to do on each one. And then all of a sudden a bunch will get re like resolved at the same time. Um, so, you know, we did get busy again. It would be nice to have, I think we're a couple short. It would be really nice to have a couple more people. Um, so it is, it is more than we were working. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Understandable. Well, cause I, I actually, I used to work for preschool and again, uh, legally mandated to, to be reporters. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you ever heard anything, you had to have to do that. So I'm, I'm glad that, that folks are back in schools and that, um, you know, unfortunately those teachers are having to make reports on that kind of yeah. thing, but glad to know that you all are on the case. Thank you. And I do want to say, if you ever feel that you're questioning whether you should report this or you shouldn't report this. Like it happened a while ago. It happened, you know, it's just your word versus that report it. Like we can investigate it. And, you know, I can't guarantee that we're going to be able to do anything about it, but at the very least we can look into it. Um, and if you're re questioning whether you should report something to CPS or not, usually the answer is going to be yes. Okay. Good to know. Uh, so what, what do you consider to be the best thing about being in law enforcement? You said you got the best job. We're debating who's got a better job, which is a really great position to be in. But what, what for you is the best thing about being in law enforcement? It's just no day is ever the same. It's always exciting. There's always something new happening. And you get to really just, you get to see people, you get to help people, you get to be there. Uh, and I just love I loved patrol. You just never knew what you were going to roll up on. You never knew what your day was going to be like. You had some crazy fights. You saw some crazy naked people. <laughs> you saw, I mean, I had a guy we had one time just covered in like road caulk or like liquid nails or something. It was like the middle of summer. He what? covered himself from head to toe was standing on an overpass that was unfinished and I'm shouting at him from the bridge over there. And I'm like, you need to get down here. And he did not, he finally came down, but he was like not having it. It was hilarious. Um, but you just, you see stuff like that all the time. You never know what you're going to run into. And that is what I love. Um, I love the people that I work with. I think that working with like all of my coworkers is fantastic. I think they're so much fun. Um, and you really have to have a good work environment in what we do. Uh, cause it'll just wear you down. It can be a beating sometimes. It's really difficult to see the things that we see and hear the things that we hear. Um, but at the end of the day, I get to be there for people's terrible moments and hopefully help them and hopefully do what I can for them. And I really just love that. Absolutely. I mean, and jumping for people trying to jump off an overpass and covered <laughs> in liquid nails. That's, that's he wasn't weird. trying to jump. He just wanted oh. to stand there and yell at people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was great. That you get interesting stories this way. <laughs> he turned out he turned out fine, by the way. We're very happy. <laughs> so what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about being in law enforcement? I know there's been a lot of things that have happened over the last few years, and you all are definitely held to, to a higher standard than, than most civilians are. Um, but what, what do you think is the most misunderstood? I think so. I think that I understand why we're held to a higher standard. Um, but it can be difficult. At the end of the day, you have... So you can have as much training as you want, you can have, or as you can get. And we have a ton of training. We're fortunate enough to have a lot more training than other agencies. Um, but sometimes you're just winging it. And so things happen, mistakes can get made. Um, and we're all human. And I wish that people knew that when 
legitimate mistakes got made. We care about that when actually bad people do bad things, officers do bad things. We definitely don't condone that. We don't like that. Um, but you won't see us usually rush to judgment because we're so used to seeing the public and react to things that happen without all of the information. And then when all of the information comes out later, it's never what you think it is. It's not always what you think it is. And it's so easy to look at like 30 seconds of a video and go, this is exactly what happened. Sometimes that is exactly what happened, but sometimes there's more to the story. There's more information. And if you actually have that information, you realize that there's, there was a legitimate reason. So, uh, you know, it's not that we don't want to weed out the bad apples. It's just that we want to take our time and make sure that we give people, we give the investigation a shot because at the end of the day, the investigation is going to show what happened and we'll go from there. What everyone's kind of there, people's different careers and different things get definitely kind of change their mindset. And I think obviously law enforcement being one, I know I'm really hard judge barbecue now. Um, <laughs> it's a little different, but, but, uh, you know, similar ish. Uh, but I was going to say kind of, how does that change when you're, when you're not in uniform and you're interacting with your people, with people and your friends and you're like, that's a crazy story, but I guess we'll let it ride because crazy <laughs> stories happen. I always tell people. So when I first started in, on my first phase in my old trainer, Rhonda will tell you, I would show up to calls and people would tell me what their version of the story was. I'd be like, okay, great. That's exactly what happened. Um, and now I kind of realize that people are usually lying to me about something. Um, and it may not matter what you're lying to me about. It may not be important. It may have nothing to do with anything, but some you are usually lying to me about something. So I do am, you find that just at work or is this all like a personal It's thing? usually just, I mean, I feel like people don't have, they just don't bring it up in a personal thing, right? Like we just don't need to, it's more omission and personal. <laughs> so I'm not running around like all of my friends, like you lying, you lying about something, but, but I am more, um, I don't want to say judgmental about that. It's more, I'm more aware that not everybody is always going to be telling you the truth. Not everything is always going to be rainbows and roses and everything like that. So I am more cautious about that. Um, at the end of the day though, when I am at work and when I'm at home, I do try to have like an off switch in terms of what I'm doing. And we have to like with child abuse, you have to have compartmentalization. Like you can't bring the work home. You can't do any, cause you will go crazy. Um, and there's still a certain amount of that. Like most of my coworkers have kids and it can be difficult. Um, when you're seeing other kids be abused or especially if they're like the same age as your child. Um, so you have to really have as much compartmentalization as you can, but I am definitely I'm less, I'm less naive about some things, I think, now that I've joined the department. And you're judging your friends. <laughs> yeah. She's kidding, guys. <laughs> They're definitely going to listen yeah, to this. They are. feel judged. <laughs> so, so what would you tell someone who was interested in, in following your footsteps and going to law enforcement, particularly child abuse? Um, you know, and I think about this all the time. It is such a great job. So, okay, we, we've asked that in classes before that we've taught and like, would you tell people, would you let them do this job? Would you try and dissuade them from it? And I would never try and dissuade anybody from this job. I think it's the most amazing job. I li literally love my job. Um, Best and job I, ever right here. it is, but you are going to see, and you are going to do things that you never you kind of had an idea how would be a thing, but you don't really understand it and you're not going to understand it until you go through it. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult and it's going to help you grow as a person. It's going to make you a better person, 
but it's going to be one of the most difficult things you do in your entire life. When you talk about making people better people, you actually helped create and, and taught a class on police culture and resilience for the department. Uh, so t tell me about that and kind of what that was and, and why mental health for officers is so important to you. Um, so the Center for Brain Health um, and the Brain Performance Institute created this mindfulness class, especially, I don't know if they created after 7-7 or it was just implemented after. I believe it was created before that. Um, but after 7-7, they implemented this mindfulness program to help with officer mental health because before that, really, we didn't talk about mental health that much. Um, and I have a master's in psychology. Psychology is really important to me. And I think officer mental health is so important. I think that if we can keep officers mentally healthier, we can keep officers being better. They can perform better, they can show up better, and they can keep public confidence better as well because you're not making the same mistakes, you're not bringing your work um, home life to work. You're not in these negative in these negative mindsets. So I think that really being able to have that conversation and we never had those conversations before. It was never something that you talked about. It was always really taboo. Officers never wanted to hear about therapy. And I thought it was a bunch of hokum, like you're <laughs> sitting on a couch just talking to some random person. Um, so we, when they did the mindfulness, they needed another block. And I had um, a coworker, Dan Russell, who I believe mm -hmm. you have talked to. Um, he had been asked to help develop a class. I said, hey, if you need any help with anything, just let me know. Um, so he said that would be great. And we kind of worked together on kind of jangling a, a class together um, with both of our different perspectives. So uh, we really wanted officers to think about their mental health and find ways to help stay healthier as opposed to addressing issues once they came up. Um, so in my a lot of my research in when I was doing my master's was in officer mental health, um, traumatic stress, complex uh, trauma, and everything like that. So it was really important to me that officers be able to address that and we be able to have a conversation about therapy. Um, I think therapy is great. I've talked to many officers since then. I think after 7-7, it's much easier conversation to have. Um, so I know a ton of officers that have gone to therapy now and that I've been like, hey, you know, we can do that. Um, or just talking about maybe maladaptive coping behaviors that they have and like, is this really what you want? Um, and how can we make it better? Certainly. And you, you spend um, you, you spend some volunteer time uh, helping out with assist the officer and mental health has definitely been something that they have been focusing on. Talk to me about kind of giving back through through ATO and why giving back is so important for you. So I actually just got involved with ATO recently um, and it was a lot of fun. But ATO actually sponsor they help with mental health or they will send officers to therapy um, and not just officers, DFR as well. Um, and I think that's Officers can be really skeptical of therapists, especially because the culture is so unique. And so it's really difficult to, it's really difficult to sit there and talk to a therapist that doesn't really understand the dynamics and the relationship dynamics. And cause you know, you have a partner you spend more time with than your spouse sometimes. That's a stressful dynamic that you feel responsible for. Um, so officers have a hard time talking to therapists um, so, and the ATO has a bunch of therapists that are all mostly related to law enforcement. They kind of have some idea. And when you are working with law enforcement all the time, you kind of get more of an idea of the uh, culture. So I think that that program is really great. And I think it's really important to keep supporting it. Well, and you, you, you've done a lot to, to help a lot of folks. Who, who are two or three folks who really helped you and made a difference for you? 
for me. Um, so let's see. I had I was so lucky when I came on the department. I had so many great mentors on the department. Um, so I really had. Are you talking about on the department? Uh, on the or department in life? in life? Any of the above? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Okay, so. <laughs> On the department, I've had an opportunity to have so many great mentors. Um, when I was in legal, I had my friend Joe King. He really helped me um, be able to be more critical and be able to like feel like I can look at a problem and come up with a solution and try and fix that problem, as opposed to just looking at a problem and be like, okay, well, there it is, and let's move on. Um, but I also had great trainers, Rhonda Richardson, uh, Ronnie Nevels, Lucy Barnett. And then I would say outside of the department, my sister has been really one of my biggest supports in life. And she's amazing. I think she's a great, she was here briefly to dispatch. She dispatched for Dallas briefly. She had a hard time dispatching for me. She didn't like it. <laughs> she apparently it was hard when I got into fights. Um, but she's amazing. And I like, she has always been so supportive. She's always been there to talk to me and talk me through everything. And I love her. So I would say she is my biggest support in life. Well, and that's gotta be kind of hard if she's dispatching and she's hearing that you're over there getting in a fight with someone. I mean, and wanting to like come through the phone and help you. She has a story about it. She's like, and I mean, she's not, I don't think she wants to come out, but she, she wants me out of that fight. So I guess she had a hard time with it. She heard it and you, it was an interesting story, but yeah, she did not like that very much. I loved it. She's a fantastic dispatcher. She was like supervisor of the year, her first year as supervisor. I could talk about her all day. She's way smarter than me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she did not enjoy dispatching for me, no matter how much I enjoyed her dispatching for me. So she wound up moving back to Virginia. When you talk about these crazy stories, what what's the craziest or the most interesting story you can think of? You, you've been with the department eight years now, so. So that is such funny because people ask that all the time and it really just depends on what kind of story you want to like is it your craziest fight is it your craziest naked person is it your craziest like how did we even wind up here i don't understand what's going on um i would say my craziest story was oh, i don't know there's so many i have i don't know i got in one fight with a guy and i was of course like on the way back to the station to go to the bathroom and that's really when you need to have your blinders on i don't know if that's tmi that's really when you need to have your blinders on but i get behind this guy that's driving like 20 miles an hour on Syene, which is like a 45 mile an hour road in two lanes and i'm like oh yeah we can't i probably can't just pass this guy so I try and stop him and he's still driving his 20 miles an hour down the road, not stopping. And he finally stops at the light and I go out and try to try to get him out. I try and detain him. And when I try to detain him, we get into a fight and he tries to take my weapon. Um, and he outweighs me by at least 50 pounds. He is on PCP. Um, which if you don't know, means that you do not feel any pain whatsoever, pretty for the most part. And you are going to do some weird stuff. So he tries it's, to. It's always PCP. It's, when all the weird stories happen. It is always PCP. It is usually PCP. Oh no, that made me think of another one. Um, we'll but yeah, it's always it's always PCP. And so because you don't feel anything, you don't feel any pain, and a lot of our weapons are pain compliant. So it's hard to fight someone on PCP, especially in a one-on-one -on -one situation, because none of your pain compliance is gonna work. And then if he's outweighing you by 50 pounds, it was 50 pounds of like muscle, by the way, it was not 50 pounds of fat. So he, this dude was built like a brick house. 
And so I'm trying to like, you know, and I go into my like academy mode where you're like doing these breakdowns and I, you know, Corporal Irwin, I appreciate you so much, but that breakdown did not work. So I'm like trying to do my breakdowns and whatnot. And um, we, you know, I get on the radio, I'm trying to, I call for cover and they don't hear anything that I say. They just heard that it was a female's voice. And fortunately, when you just work with the same people all the time, they kind of, you kind of get a feel for people's voices so you can tell who's calling. So, you know, they came the cavalry came and uh so i i remember this guy at one point wound up on top of me um i think he choked me he was trying to get my weapon i like there was a couple civilians god help them god love them that came and were trying to help me and i just remember like the first officer who um officer torres who pulls up and i just see him like sprint from the car to me and he did not slow down he just like ran into that guy and it took about eight people to put that guy in handcuffs that is how strong he was at that point um but that was a fun fight so <laughs> i'm gonna say i mean it was it wasn't great so we that, try that, not that doesn't to, sound like a good day at work well so and that's the thing we try not to fight like i mean at the end of the day you're you're gonna get hurt the suspect's gonna get hurt like you really i try and i'm not the biggest person in the world, She's right? not. Yeah, so I'm trying. I try to talk myself out of fights a lot. And for the most part, you get good at it, especially if you're someone of smaller stature, because you know that your fight's not going to... I mean, it's going to be harder if you're smaller. So we try not to fight. It's our goal not to fight. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to fight, and I, you're not going to let me talk you out of it. I will fight, and, you know, it's sometimes it can be fun. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like fun. So something uh, kind of a little less fun. Have you have you had a kind of experience that you think about maybe with the child abuse division that really kind of touched your heart or really changed how you do things? Um, yeah, it's I've learned so much. I think that it's made me a lot more cognizant of issues relating to children. So I'm way more, again, like I am, and I didn't know that much about kids before that, other than the fact that all my friends are of childbearing age. So all of a sudden everyone's having children and I learned so much. Um, but it's, it's made me so much more cognizant of issues like um, co-sleeping and I'm like firmly against co-sleeping at this point. When you and I talked about that a little bit at the golf tournament, because co-sleeping is something that has become more popular for those of you all listening, co-sleeping when you bring the baby in into the bed with the parents. Yes. And, and you were telling me it's dangerous. Yes. So it is. So most of our, a lot of our child deaths are related to unsafe sleep environment. Um, and that's whether it's co-sleeping because they had the child in bed with two adults, you can roll over the baby. Um, babies don't breathe as well. So it's easy to have something cover up their airway and then just suffocate. Um, if you put them on their stomach in a soft bed, it can be difficult for them to breathe as well. Um, so I'm just, and I, I get it. Parents are so exhausted. I mean, I had a coworker that fell asleep in the car on the way somewhere in like two seconds. And we were like, she asleep already. <laughs> Y'all must be so exhausted. I don't know how you guys do they it. Are. I respect it so much. All of the parents out there, but, and I, so I get it. It's just, Co-sleeping is just so, I don't think people realize how dangerous it can be. And so um, I just, I'm so, I just kind of cringe when I hear about co-sleeping. There are safe ways to do it and that's great. Um, and I think it's great to have not, you know, get as much sleep as you can and not have to ha get out of bed to go take care of the baby, um, but just do it safely. Um, you know, different products and how, you know, you have to make sure that you're keeping an eye on them when they're using that product. You can't let babies sleep in every in every situation. Um, and then like firearm safety, we've had a lot of um, kids get guns and accidentally shoot themselves 
or someone else. Um, and so firearm safety, and that's big for officers. Officers, you know, always, most of us have weapons around the house. They just have to be secured. Um, but we've had some really tragic, really, really tragic circumstances involved with kids getting guns. Um, so I'm really big on firearm safety now as well. All right. Those are both very important. Those yes. are all very important things. So question, what's next for you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> You know, they have that sergeant's exam coming up, so I could promote. But I feel like I've also only been a core, a detective. I've been a detective for about a year and a half. I've been a corporal for, I want to say, like, three and a half years now. Um, and it just takes so long to learn, like, to get really good, especially in child abuse. It takes years to get good at child abuse. Like, you're So not, if you promote, you couldn't stay, necessarily stay in child No, abuse. yeah. So we already have a sergeant. He's okay. fantastic. Um, so we have a sergeant already, and you don't normally, because then you're, all of a sudden you'd be over people that you worked with the day before. Um, so they don't really, you don't really stay in the same place. They'll move you. And right now our chief has made it so that if you promote, you go back to patrol, um, which is good. It's good to have all of your officers keep their patrol skills um, up to date because really patrol is the backbone of the department. Um, so I've considered promoting to sergeant, but at the end of the day, I also, I love my job. I would hate to leave my job. It's so fantastic. And I just feel like I'm still like a year and a half in, I am still learning so much on this job every day. Um, and it really, I would hate to, like we have so many great detectives that have been there for so long that I learned so much from. Um, and I've really learned how long it takes to figure that out. So if you constantly have turnover in that unit and then you're constantly losing a lot of great uh, experience that you need. Awesome. So it sounds like you may be staying with uh, child abuse maybe. for a while. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that's maybe. a roundabout way of <laughs> saying it, right? Maybe. We're still working on it. I love it, but that, that's fantastic. And I love that you love your job and you're so good at it. So at the end of these, we always flip, flip a little bit back to Dickie. So I've got to ask, favorite Dickie's meat, favorite Dickie's side? I love brisket. Okay. Good I don't, choice. I don't, I'm covering my mouth. You can't hear me. Um, <laughs> I love brisket. I don't know why. Um, and I, Ooh, I don't know about sides. Ooh, that's hard though. You can have two favorites if you want. <laughs> can you really? You can. Probably the beans. Okay. All right. Moving into the lightning round. So I'm going to give you two choices and you're going to give me your favorite. We have a lightning round. Okay. We have okay, a lightning round. It's just I'm a few questions. You got this. I'm you can here. handle this. I'm you, here. You, you, you are a strong detective with Dallas Police Department. You can handle the lightning round. Bring it on. All right. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue. Sweet or unsweet? <laughs> Sweet. Y'all, she's trying to look at the questions. This is what's going on. Right. I'm a detective. Okay, she is very much. Okay, chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Chopped. Sauce or no sauce? Oh, that's really tough. Mostly no sauce, but I love sauce too. That's a very non-committal answer. I know. I don't have a. I, okay, no sauce. I mean, I, I'm why sauce are you making I'm me sauce on the side? What happened to you? Can have two. I don't uh, understand. Not on that one. Uh, so brisket or pulled pork? Oh. I do like pulled pork too. Brisket. I'm sticking with brisket. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, ribs or wings? Ooh, wings. Oh, that's a good choice right yes. there. We've got wing boss now, so you can get more wings. All oh, sorts really? of fun flavors now. But yes, y'all, thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today has been Senior Corporal and Detective Kristen Green with the Dallas Police Department. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.